Welcome to Really Old Movies, I'm your host Harrison Scullin. Today I'll be reviewing a Rat Pack classic, Ocean's Eleven from 1960. Alright, so today I'm going to be reviewing Ocean's Eleven from 1960, and this film is the basis for the Ocean's trilogy from the early 2000s that starred uh, Brad Pitt and uh, George Clooney and uh, Matt Damon. This film stars Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., and a few others, and they were known as the Rat Pack back in the 60s. And this is one of their first films they made together. And <clears throat> and funny enough, the making of this film, they made on top of doing their uh, shows in Las Vegas. So it was shot on location. The filming schedule had to be set in a way that it didn't conflict with their Vegas shows. So it was pretty tight and crazy how they made this movie. So now, what's now giving you all that behind-the-scenes info... Now let's get into the actual review. So to start off with the plot, I actually gave a 1 out of 5. Um, to me, the motives were pretty weak. You know, there's no real reason given as to why they want to rob the casinos. At least in the modern ones, uh, secretly Danny Ocean, he's trying to get back at the casino owner, uh, who's played by Andy Garcia. I can't remember his character's name. But for... For dating his ex-wife so there's kind of a motive there and this one they kind of just lay out this map and say okay we're gonna you know we're all old war buddies from world war ii we're gonna you know cause a ruckus in vegas we're gonna rob these five casinos but there's no real reason as to why other than just for money which i guess is a good reason right but it was a pretty weak motive in my opinion but the thing that really bothered me the most and the real reason why I give it a 1 out of 5 is how the film ended. It was on a very ambiguous note. I'm not a huge fan of ambiguous endings. And 60 films are chock full of ambiguous endings. Great starts, great middles, but then they just end it on a silly, sometimes really stupid note. And this is one of them. Uh, no lessons were really learned. There was no character development. You know, they they steal all the money, right? And one of their buddies, he dies from a heart attack while they're out there. Which, another point I didn't like. That was a little weird. Um, but originally they were, they were going to take the money somehow from his coffin because they put it into it while he was going to San Francisco, like being shipped back home. I don't understand how that would have worked. But instead, uh, the wife of the deceased man, she's convinced to have the ther the uh, funeral there in Vegas. And uh, it kind of has a funny tone to it. You know, they're like, you know, what's that sound? And then they say, oh, the deceased is being cremated, right? It makes for a pretty sick joke, not going to lie. But that's really how we're going to end the movie, like... I was not a fan of it. I, I really was not a fan of it. It's really weird, really crazy stuff. And to me, that's why I gave the plot a 1 out of 5. It was just really weird. 
I really did not like it. And there kind of is a story, but I don't know. Once they did that, it kind of lost. I I kind of lost interest with it. <laughs> and it's a slow burner. It's over two hours long, which normally isn't that big of a deal, but not a whole lot happens. It's a very dialogue-heavy film. Um, but that leads into the next point, acting. I actually really like the actors. I gave it a 5 out of 5. You know, you have Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Cesar Romero, you know, of Batman fame. It had great cast in it, and I love their chemistry, love their connections with each other. And, you know, that this is definitely one of the best parts of the movie is their connection, and probably why people like it is because of these characters. And, uh, yeah, just them know smoking cigarettes playing pool and all of that you know that that's the image you have of the movie everything else is kind of secondary which is kind of sad because they've been really cool if all these actors you know kind of cool and all that but with a really cool plot on top of that but sadly we'll never get that um the only thing that really bothered me about them was their dialogue and it's nothing wrong with the dialogue it's pretty cool and interesting but if you're like me and, you know, being a youngster, knowing really nothing about their style of communicating with each other, which is very uh, metaphorical and whatnot, it's very hard to keep up with. And I was lost a few times. I had no idea what was going on. It's like I said, it's a dialogue-heavy film. And if you don't get that kind of talking and whatnot, you're going to be lost too. But... But they have such cool personalities, for the most part, it you kind of forgive it. You're like, yeah, that's just how people talked back then, especially this kind of group of people. So, I still love the actors, though, especially Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. They're really great together. Because of that, I gave it a 5 out of 5. Now, directing-wise, I gave a 2.5 out of 5. Uh... Just do the fact that there's really not a plot. I mean, he really could have done something really cool with this. I mean, you have all these great actors in it. Why not have a great storyline on top of that? But unfortunately, it was not that great. The scenery that he set up was fine and whatnot, but I don't know. I, I wish there really was more of a plot, more for him to do with the characters. Because if you read on it, they actually ad-libbed a lot of their lines too, so... What did the director really do? I don't know. But I digress. It, it could have been better. Now, cinematography and special effects. Another high point of the film. I gave a 4 out of 5. They did some really cool stuff, especially with the casino shots in the film. They matched up all the uh, all the five casinos really nicely because each of them had different countdowns for the new year coming along because the film takes place on New Year's Eve. At least when the actual heist happens. So that was really cool. Um, and they did some really nice uh, matching shots. So like there's a balloon that lifts up. And then when it's out of frame, you're in a different casino. And that, I thought that was really cool, the way they set that up and did that. And another thing I liked, which is more of the special effects. I love the Saul Bass title sequence. He is one of my favorite graphic designers ever. And in school, I studied him a lot because he does a lot of movie titles and whatnot. He also designed a lot of uh, logos for corporations as well. So he's a really cool designer. 
I loved, loved the designs in this one. Uh, especially his use of lights and whatnot to make the number 11. And he did some really cool stuff here. I, I was very impressed with it. Very stylish. And it really fit in with the movie, you know, a lot of casino stuff and whatnot in it. It was really cool. All right, now the music. Now, to me, this and the acting are the highlights and the only reason why you should really watch this film. Love the singing of Dean Martin. He's got a great voice. Reason why people will go to Vegas shows to see him. Him and Sammy Davis Jr. He's a great, great singer as well. I didn't understand what his first song was. It's like EO11 or something like that. I googled it. I guess it's a it's a term used for uh, roulette. I I believe it was roulette. One of one of those uh, casino games. I'm not a gambler or anything, so I know close to nothing about all that stuff. So it was very very interesting. Got a great voice, like I said, and uh, yeah, that that's just a big highlight of the movie is seeing these actors show off their singing chops the real reason why they're famous not for their acting although like i said i love their connection with each other adding that all up and averaging it out that brings it to a three and a half out of five for my letterbox score it's a good movie um but it's really it's really kind of a niche movie i think if you're really into that kind of 60s styles ambiguous endings kind of rebellious counterculture if you're into casinos and all of that, you'll probably like this movie. Um, personally, if I were to recommend anyone to watch an Ocean's Eleven movie, it'd probably be the modern one first with uh, Matt Damon and George Clooney and all of them. That one is more, uh, at least for nowadays audiences, I think they connect more with that one. And then I would introduce this one to show, hey, this is where they got the inspiration from. Um well, I don't know if I'll ever rewatch this again. Maybe I will in a couple years, but definitely not anytime soon. It's a, it's pretty, unfortunately, it's pretty long and kind of boring at times. And like I said, I love the actors and whatnot, but I just wish there was a really interesting plot. It wasn't that good. And they had a lot going for it. I mean, it's a great concept. World War II veterans, right? Kind of doing something that's a little little on the other side of the law, doing something that's bad, but for the greater good or something like that, right? I don't know. That's why I really liked the newer one, the one with uh, George Clooney and all of them. He had some real motives for what they were doing. What they were doing was illegal, and they're all kind of criminals, but they were intriguing characters, and they had a great plot line. So, overall, check out the original... The, uh, I was going to say check out the original one, but this is the original one. Check out the modern one first, maybe the whole trilogy, and then check out this one just for the sake of seeing what it was like before and why Steven Sodenberg wanted to uh, reboot this movie. All right. Well, those are my thoughts and feelings on Ocean's Eleven from 1960. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And make sure to subscribe to our Instagram and Facebook where you can get behind-the-scenes details on the week's particular episode. You can also follow us on YouTube to catch our monthly recaps where I bring all the information that I have here from Letter and Letterboxd and I discuss the best plot, acting, directing, cinematography, and music overall 
for the month. And new podcasts of this show, the really old movies, are released Fridays at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, for the most part, (laughs) on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Harrison Skull, and this has been Really Old Movies. Take care.